أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لله ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وعند بدو ما في أنفسكم أو تخفوح يحاسبكم به الله فيغفر لمن يشاء ويعذبه من يشاء والله على كل شيء قدير آمن الرسول بما أنزل إليه من ربه والمؤمنون كلنا عامنا بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله لا نفرق بين أحد من رسله وقالوا سمعنا وعطعنا خفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا حسأها لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اقتسبت ربنا لا تواخذنا إن نسينا أو اخترعنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ما لا تقتلنا به وافونا واغفر لنا ورحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد صدق الله العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In our discussion in the week, we explored this idea that most people <clears throat> construct their lives on the basis of accumulation. They think that as they get older, there's more and more of them, that they 
are accumulating more knowledge, they're accumulating more possessions, they're accumulating more authority, they're accumulating more significance. Their life is a process of the ongoing accumulation, of ongoing getting. And these people therefore understand the fundamental engine of all intent, of all motive, is the desire to get. I do things in order to get. There's an alternative way of looking at your life, which is equally plausible, we would argue more plausible, that turns that assumption on its head. Your life is not concerned, actually, with getting. As you get older, day by day, hour by hour, there isn't more of you, there's less of you. Because every moment takes you closer and closer to the grave. And it suggests that when you're, every moment that you're alive is not, is not an opportunity to get as much as an opportunity to give. And it is, in a sense, only those who have made their habit constructing their life on the basis of what they give who can die eloquently. Because when you die, you can't take anything with you. In other words, you get, you're in the situation of giving everything unconditionally. And if you haven't spent a life trying to learn that skill, possibly you'll be challenged by this event. Although this is a grim thought for most people, many people get very upset at the idea that their life is not actually about what they accumulate, their life is about what they hand over and expend. Every moment that you're alive is an expenditure of potential. It's handing something over. It's not getting something. <clears throat> this worldview that says that your life is about what you're contributing, about what you're giving, is an upside-down worldview for most people. Most people find that almost creepy. And which is why we refer to aspirants on our path as fukara. As you know, the word fakir comes from uh, the word for uh, an impoverished person, a poor person. That's how we are supposed to be. Even if we've got stuff in the bank account, this doesn't measure our life. The wealth doesn't measure our life. It is not what we're getting that measures our life. It is what we're giving. It is how absolutely and eloquently we do what is appropriate. We give what is appropriate. It therefore stands to reason that the aim of the Zawiya is to provide an exercise ground or um, uh, a learning space. It's a college of a kind. That quad that we live in, the zawiya itself, is like a pressure cooker. It's like a gymnasium. And what does this gymnasium seek to teach? Well, it's an inverted skill from what most people are trying to learn. Most people are trying to understand how they can get more out of their lives. We're trying to understand the opposite. How profoundly and how deeply and how absolutely we can give. 
the Zawiya produces a context for the real magic to happen, and the real magic is in the interaction of people. Your intent to give to others is, comes to life in your interaction with others, your day-to-day transaction with people. And as we'll all bear witness, that the Zyra can be a very difficult place because you're living so close to people and you're in this pressure cooker that you can't escape. And it gets very hard. Now, I'd like to suggest a few things to safeguard the the transaction, the interaction. To make your... This idea of being here to give is, 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 is not a speculative thing. It's something that confronts you moment by moment. In every situation that you're in, you can either deal with the situation on the basis of what you want or what's convenient to you, or you can deal with a, a situation on the basis of what's the appropriate thing to do. The first demand of what is appropriate with others or with another person is courtesy. And that, in the first instance, has to mean respect. Now, it's one of those words we like to bandy about. And if we try and convince people that we're, we're kind of educated, we might throw another few languages in, like, you know, Usha or Nipa or Adab or whatever. But what does this thing actually mean? The most useful, from your point of view, as a fakir on this path, the most useful definition of respect is that in every situation you grant significance to the other. And you make your own significance irrelevant. Now, I'm very deliberate about this. I'm not saying you disregard your own significance or you make yours, your, or let me put it this way. I'm not saying you make yourself insignificant. It is not, you're, not, you're not putting yourself below. You're just removing yourself from the pecking order. In every transaction, the one that is significant is on the other side. It's on the side of the other. It's not on the side of the self. If you are listening to a group of people who are having a discourse, like I was eavesdropping this afternoon, what was happening in the, in the dining room, and the first thing that you'll notice is that when people have this skill, they're not contending for space. They're not wishing to be heard. They're doing a lot of work trying to hear. They're not trying to appear. They're not, they're not taking space. They're making space. They grant the other, the floor. They're not clamoring to be the person that has the next word. 
And dare I say the next word so loudly that nobody else can say anything. So the first place where you find the gymnasium to exercise the skill of the incremental strengthening of your ability to hand over is in every single interaction you have with another person. Another person in the Zawiya. Your brother or your sister, Fakir or Fakira. But the first thing you're going to do is that you are far more interested in what they're saying than trying to convince them about what you're saying. And when you're in a conversation, you're not in a conversation waiting like a panther for them to finish speaking so you can leap in with your cleverness. You're there to celebrate their cleverness. It is clear that when people are having a discourse in this spirit, there'll be no voice that'll be unheard. Because if we say we're not here to take space, we're here to make space, it means you'll be very attentive to the person who's sitting quietly. And you would invite them in. Sidi Ibrahim, what do you have to say? You allow the other in. When we learn these skills, you start developing a sense of connectivity between yourself and others, which celebrates unity. It celebrates Tawheed. Another behavior that I think I'd like to bring attention to in this is how we laugh. Now, I'm not suggesting we should all become sour people and not laugh at anything. But understand the fundamental rule is, if you're a fakir, that in every transaction, significance goes to the other. Now, what does that mean for your laughter? I think there's fundamentally two ways in which we can laugh, which you can loosely describe as laughing at or laughing with. Ask yourself, how many times when you laugh are you laughing at somebody? You have to understand that when you're laughing at somebody, you're not granting them significance, you're trivializing them. You're making them small. You're dismissing and demeaning them. So how do you prevent yourself from doing this? Well, in the first instance, maybe you shouldn't laugh quite so frequently. Or be very attentive to why you're laughing when you laugh. And how is it then that you can laugh with somebody and not at them? 
one in the first instance becomes sensitive to whether they have a sense of humor or not, and whether they're capable of laughing at themselves. If I'm laughing at myself, I give you license to laugh with me. Then you're laughing, isn't laughing at me, it's laughing with me. But if, uh, if you set a very difficult set of phrases in Zulu, which no human being that hasn't been brought up with an Nguni language could ever pronounce because of all the clicks, and then you laugh at them, when they don't get it right. This is laughing at. This is not laughing with. And this is not appropriate. Your humor isn't deprecating when it works with what is truly funny, when it works with a pun, with the works of the surprising and the interesting. But then you've got to wean yourself from this childish habit of finding somebody else's uh, indignity, their inadequacy, funny. Allah tells us in Quran, <coughs> that we shouldn't be pointing out people's faults and how much more so pointing out while you're laughing at them you should cover people's faults you should be kind with people now none of this suggests that you are required to be meek and mild if there's anything that this dhikr seeks to do, is it seeks to tease you out of your corner a little bit. So that the real being can escape the cage of social convention. So you're not, this is not saying if you say, if the issue in every transaction you grant respect to the other, you grant significance to the other, you don't demean the other. This doesn't mean to say that you just accept what people do. But it's perfectly possible to be completely between the eyes honest with somebody and not be disrespectful. So this, 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 this idea that, uh, you know, very often people, they say sort of outrageous things and you confront them and say, no, no, but I'm just being honest. Well, you know, honesty is no excuse for discourtesy. In fact, in every situation, you're here to serve the other. And serving the other might mean actually confronting the other. <coughs> it is clear that acting in the best interest of the other isn't always being sweet with the other. Hmm? If the child is about to fall over the precipice, you grab the child roughly by the scruff of the neck and you throw him away. That's not being mean. You're acting in the child's interest. So too, you have license to confront your brother and your sister when they are behaving in a way that requires a confrontation. But no, nobody says that the confrontation has to go with a, an angry face and a loud voice and a wagging finger and a shouting. 
can be absolutely direct without demeaning the person. May Allah grant us success in our path. Amen. May grant us newness to Him. Amen. May grant us annihilation in Him. Amen. May grant us death before we die. Amen. May Allah malaikatuhu yusallu ala nabi ya yuhalabina aminu yusallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammadin abdika wa rasulika nabiyyina wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim taslima Subhana Rabbika Rabba Izzati Ma'isifun Wa Assalamu Alaikum Wa Alhamdulillah Wa Alhamdulillah